think about all the things you have to do to actually market and push a record. We built really easy steps to get that done um, inside of one place. Today we are making it make sense with my guy Meg Vicaria, co-founder and CEO of Symphony OS. Meg, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You know, last two weeks of the year, just trying to bang things out. How about you? Moving and shaking. <laughs> all we can do. That's all we can do. Yes, sir. So tell us a bit about your background and experience at the intersection of music marketing and technology. Yeah, so I, I started out in music around 2016, right when SoundCloud was first taking off. Before that, I was like studying CS up in college, like full tech nerd mode. What really excited me about coming into music was just seeing how music was becoming more and more like the tech industry, where artists were now looking at things like monthly listeners and their likes and their comments on the streams, right? It was a very different world than 2010, 2012, where people were looking at album sales. So just seeing that convergence of data and technology coming into how artists were becoming discovered and growing their fan base, I was like, I need to work here. So I started an agency that helped artists out with their websites. We got super lucky, super blessed. Early on, got to work with some amazing folks like SZA on CTRL, Big Sean through Rock Nation, just a bunch of these folks on their websites. And just learned a lot about how to talk to labels and artists and managers about all this tech stuff, which sometimes seems... At least in the industry, I'm sure you dealt with this yourself. Like it, sometimes it seems a little bit alien to some folks in the game, but you know, just coming in and trying to understand how they think about it and translating it into their language, we just learned a lot. And then around 2018, we started getting more into digital marketing with artists, helping them out with the rollouts, helping them with creative strategy, marketing strategy, just spent a bunch of money essentially just cracking different ways of growing fan bases and ultimately led us to starting Symphony, which, you know, the goal is really just to take all the learnings we have from this whole experience, these like last you know half decade in music around marketing and try to democratize those learnings into the tools that artists can use to grow their fan base. I feel like when it comes to music today, especially marketing tends to be the biggest thing most folks think about and try and figure out. And hopefully Symphony can help them, you know, in that workflow a little bit. So tell us what exactly is Symphony and how does it work? Yeah. So Symphony, I think about almost like a like a one-stop shop for anything and everything an artist would need to manage their marketing. So we have a few different apps that are built on top of an artist's data. So we start by centralizing all of an artist's data from all of their platforms, their songs, their videos, everything. And then we built a dashboard app, which helps them track their fan base analytics, how your fans are growing on Spotify versus YouTube, what's the demographics of your fan base. We built out a link in bio tool that allows you to track where your fans are coming from, how they're consuming your music, and then we built out direct automations into things like Instagram ads, YouTube ads, uh, TikTok ads are coming soon as well. So it's all these different apps that all kind of work in cohesion. But, you know, the way we really see it, data has always been all over the place in this game. Like, you know, an artist will use like three to five different platforms like that generate data. And when data is all over the place, it's hard to get a, a bigger picture on how your famous is growing and how to actually continue growing it. So our entire philosophy from starting this thing was like, let's just start with the data, you know, all these fans that an artist has. And then from there, let's just make it easier to reach more fans just like them. 
and at the push of a button, you know, if they want to, you know, let them start a campaign to, to grow that fan base through paid marketing. So it's really like, I don't know, if we look at other industries, right, like almost like a HubSpot or a Shopify, if you will, but for this part of the, the business that an artist has, which is marketing. You said a word, automation. Let's make it make sense to our listeners. What exactly is automation? Yeah, great question. So when we think about all the things you have to do, right, when you have a song, you're trying to put it out into the world. In that side of the world, right, at least as it relates to music, the automation part nowadays tends to be on distribution. Like you go to one distributor and they automatically distribute your music into Spotify, Apple Music, all of that. When we talk about marketing and the, excuse me, when we talk about automation and the marketing sense now, right, think about everything you need to do a marketing campaign. Song is about to come out. You need a pre-save campaign set up. Cool. You want to collect email addresses from your fans with the pre-save. Cool. Song comes out. And now you need a link in bio to actually send your fans to. And then say you got 200 bucks, 300 bucks, 100 bucks to spend on YouTube or Instagram ads. Then you got to figure out how to actually run those in an effective way. So all of those pieces in that workflow I just mentioned, we're putting it all into one place. So when it comes to automation, right? Think about all the things you have to do to actually market and push a record. We built really easy steps to get that done. Um, inside of one place. So now instead of spending a few hours to get this thing done, it takes five minutes. So yeah. That's how we see automation. It's definitely the tech, but it more so beyond the tech, it's about just saving artists time and saving artists money. Then they can focus more on the art and the creativity, which is what they're here for. So let me ask you, what are some of the common challenges music artists face when it comes to marketing and how does automation help them overcome these challenges? I think a big part of it especially nowadays, is that there's an overwhelming amount of data out there. For an individual artist, there's a Spotify data, numbers, demographics, all of that. Then there's Instagram, then there's TikTok, then there's YouTube, then there's LinkedIn, then there's Shopify. Like The list just goes on and on and on. So when I think about it from the perspective of Symphony, I think it's on one side, how do we make it very easy for you to understand at a glance who your fan base actually is? And then beyond that, right, it's one thing to look at numbers and be like, all right, cool, this is who my fan base is. But beyond that, when you're thinking about how to grow your fan base from a paid marketing perspective, if you wanted to run Facebook ads or Instagram ads, it's not enough to just be like, all right, let me boost a post because they're just doing very generic, basic targeting. So what we built in Symphony is essentially an algorithm that automatically makes around 500 audiences for your ads that we're testing when the ads are running. Think about like fans that have streamed your music, fans that have liked Instagram posts, fans that have watched a video all these discrete actions that fans can take on your content, on you as an artist, we built an audience for it. And we test all these audiences when we're running, running ad campaigns. So now instead of having to log into Facebook ads manager, just hope that the Instagram boost post is going to reach the people you want to reach. The algorithm takes over that within Symphony, where it's just a smart brain that's testing everything. And the ultimate goal for our algorithm is how do we drive the most streams for every dollar spent? So that's kind of like how we in the, in the sense of like automation, the actual impact of it on folks in their day to day, it's really just about saving money, saving time, obviously, but like helping you save money. The independent artist journey is a real small business grind. Like you have to build it up brick by brick and every dollar artists have that isn't wasted on incorrect marketing or wrongly targeted marketing can go back into the music or the music videos, whatever it may be. Have you seen a difference between genres and the results that RB artists may get? versus a rapper or a rock artist or a pop artist, which genre has been doing the best with your tour? That's a great question. It's interesting because we're now in a world where music is globalized, right? First it was pop, then like EDM had its wave. And since what, 2010, 
2011, rap, hip hop is dominating everything and it's not now pop. And so I want to say like pop, R&B, hip hop, those are the genres that we've seen do the best across everything. I think the genres like country and EDM and, and kind of genres like that have their individualized fan bases. But from a global perspective and breaking through into like a global awareness of the music, those specific genres I mentioned are the ones that, that do the best, at least as of now. Also think about it from the perspective of how big the world is, right? Like this, um, like you think about like, you know, the box by Roddy Rich, Lil Nas X's music, just anyone, Meg Thee Stallion, whoever, right? Like all these songs can cut through anywhere. There's like, I read a stat that there's a song Falling by this artist, Trevor Daniel. It was like an alternative pop, pop R&B song in 2021, but it went to the number one charts on Spotify in the US and globally. But what drove that is that Spotify had just launched in India. And so it actually went crazy viral in India. Mm. And then that kind of triggered it going viral in Southeast Asia. And that took it to Europe and that took it to America and then South, South America. Mm. So we're now seeing these phenomenons where like the globalized nature of like the world and like everyone kind of having streaming is creating these new trends where like, it might make a wave in somewhere we don't even know, you know, somewhere else in the world, but it can carry over if the wave is big enough. So I will say like, at the end of the day, like the genres matter, but I also feel like genres don't matter as long as the music can cut through and like resonate with a lot of people. How do automated marketing tools compare to traditional marketing methods when it comes to reaching engaging fans? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll tell you, I used to spend a week setting up these campaigns like by hand. It, it was kind of crazy because... You know, every single like, and I'm sure you've dealt with this. I'm sure folks listening have dealt with this. There's the Facebook ads manager, which is a whole beast of itself. And there's YouTube ads manager. Then there's TikTok's ads manager. Then there's Twitter. Then there's like, if you want to figure out how to buy billboards, like there's all these different levers you can pull whenever you kind of want to nowadays, right? Because it's all for primarily digital, but they're all different in the way they're used. They're all different in the way they operate and how to best use them. And so when we think about automation from that perspective, right? Like I used to be going into Facebook ads manager. We didn't have Symphony. So I used to go into Facebook ads manager. It would take me a week to set up a campaign because by hand, I'd be creating a new audience for every interaction, every country in the world that we would be testing against. Take a long time. Facebook ads manager is very slow. So even from that perspective, right, where Symphony came into play was like, I was just like doing it. And I was like, Yo, I'm, I'm sick of this. I can't be doing this, taking too much time, stressful. And so like after doing that for a while, I was like, all right, let me dig into like Facebook's code base and see if they have tools to like automate some of this. Mm -hmm. I just started hacking it together myself. And so just from personal experience, right, seeing the difference between the traditional marketing experience and just using Symphony, you save a lot of time, obviously, by using automation, but you can also have algorithms test out things that if you were doing by hand would just be cost prohibitive. It's not, you know, doable just because an algorithm can think past, faster than a person can, right? Because it's all just code and like, it can check every second if it needs to, it can check the ads every second of the day, 24 hours out of the day. That's just not feasible for like most traditional marketing campaigns. So that's kind of how I see it is like to second brain, um, it does what, what it needs to do, but it's fully focused on that task at mm. hand, which is trying to drive close engagement and growth. So I think it, it, it works out better in a lot of ways than just like doing things by hand or trying to figure out like how to finesse it using traditional mechanics. What trends do you see emerging in the world of automated marketing for music artists and their teams? How do you think technology will impact the industry in the future? Oh man, it's a lot. I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot happening. I think 
Yeah, I think one thing that's really excited me over the last like five, five, six years just since I've been been in music is like almost the unbundling of the record label. Because if you think about it, like an artist in like 2005, 2010, right? I was a kid. I wasn't like in the industry, but just like from what I've heard and, and read, you know, if you if you had a song and you're like, this is a hit, you had to like grind your way into the industry. And then once you're in, in, in the industry, you have to really grind your way into a record label to even get a shot at getting your music released. And from there, the label had to be like, all right, like, we'll put this out on a CD and distribute it. And then it had to sell well or you get shelved like, quickly. And I'm sure you remember, there's a lot of artists that came out in like the 2000s, even before that, that like had a little moment and then they like were never heard from again because they just kind of blocked because it just costs a lot to produce CDs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Now, when I look at the industry today, right, like technology has kind of replaced, not fully replaced, but it's kind of taken a lot of the pieces that direct label would provide. If you want to get your music out there, no longer do you have to go to a label to be like, please like release my music. It's like, yo, I'm just going to sign a DistroKid or TuneCore press a few buttons and it's out there like very shortly. If I want to get funding, there's Beatbread, things like that, Web3, Indify. Like, there's a lot of like kind of distributed mechanisms that are coming into play that help artists get some sort of funding. And when it comes to like artist services, right? Like something like Symphony that kind of takes different parts of it and streamlines it. I think the beautiful part about it now is you can really create your own stack of tools to run your like music business. Whereas before it was like, all right, like only one way to get your music out and only one way to have a career which more optionality is always good. And I think it leads to more like, it leads to more artists being able to make it in the industry. Mm-hmm. I think I saw, you know, I saw a stat from like Spotify, like one of these research companies that every year, the major label market share of all streams is going down by five to 10%. That's been a trend for the last four years straight. And at the same time, every year for the last four years straight, there's been, I believe like 10 to 20% more artists making over hundred K a year just off streams passively. And like just seeing that and like realizing how many artists there are in the world and how many like great musicians there are, it's it's cool. It's really like cool to see because it feels like we're now at a place where like it'll take time, but the industry is getting to a point where like it's becoming democratized. Where it's not like you gotta talk to one dude who's the manager at the label, the A and R. You gotta like work your way up to him. It's like yo, like if you gotta <laughs> fire some, you just grind and put it out there. Like you know, it could get to that point, and if not, then you always have more music to put out potentially. What advice would you give to a music artist who's just starting out and looking to incorporate a tool like Symphony, like your top three best practices for them? Yeah, great question. I think number one is just to like realize this is very much this idea of the overnight successes are always 10 years in the making. So even like Lil Nas X, right? Like he blew up and had what, like multiple diamond plaques on that song. But he posted like 50 to 100 or something like videos of Old Town Road before it actually caught a moment, you know? You see that in hindsight, it's like, yo, it blew up, but like it took a lot of work to get there. So like thing number one piece of advice is this is very generic, but it's like, don't give up. All it takes is one record to actually catch for you to get to that point. A second piece I would say is to be very consistent with things. It's kind of like number one, but I think like with things like TikTok and short form content today, there's a lot of ways to get your music heard and get out there. Before, even before TikTok, it was a lot of things like blogs or like having to run Instagram ads and they still play a place today, but with TikTok and like these platforms that are out there, you can basically just post videos. If you post like three times a week or whatever it may be, like you'll just get free fans that come in and start listening to your music. Mm-hmm. So I'd say like to definitely take advantage of like quote unquote the free tools that are out there. It's a whole different conversation about like how TikTok's kind of changed the music industry. But from the perspective I see it in, it's just a way to get a megaphone behind whatever you're putting. And all it takes is one video to go crazy. And you've got, you know, 
a bunch of listeners coming in and following you. And then the third, as it relates to Symphony, is I think just like what's nice about what we're trying to build out, and at least the goal of what we can do to help our artists is we've kind of we're trying to centralize the whole workflow, right? So like between like traditionally, it's like let me hop into my like LinkedIn bio platform and then my data platform and then figure out marketing. What we're doing is we're just gonna bring it all into one place. So from just a time saving, money saving, and like just workflow perspective. I would say if you do sign up for Symphony and check it out, like just invest in it because like our team is uh, consistently building on new features and anything that an artist may need or a team asks us for, we tend to build it out within a month or so. If there's anything that uh, I can say about Symphony, it's like it's an evolving product and like we're going to continue morphing and evolving as artists have more needs from us. First two were, you know, kind of straightforward, but the third one I'd say is like, if you do sign up for Symphony, definitely don't hesitate to reach out and ask us for something new. What pieces of content work best using Symphony? I recommend um, Instagram Reels or just like any short form content that's already performed well. Like maybe it's a TikTok video that got a thousand views, you know, or like, you know, just some sort of view count relatively higher than the other ones. But I feel like in, in today's world, especially with like paid marketing, we're at a place now where like people are, have trained their brains almost like tune in more to like more organic looking content. So I would say like Instagram reels that have done well, TikToks that have done well, you can boost the post right on Symphony using like the, the, the tools. And so it's like kind of like built in from that side. But, and if you have a TikTok video, you can always download it and upload it into Symphony to market. But I would say like that type of content, right? Less of the highly produced stuff mm. that people are kind of using, more of the, like the organic feeling content that gives more of a, a feel for who the artist is and who their brand is and what their music is, I think is what tends to perform a lot better nowadays. Beyond the music too, every artist has their own lifestyle and like story to tell. And it's hard to tell it just from your bedroom, right? It has like their own like tastes and preferences and things that inform why they make the music they do. Fans want to see that. Fans are latching on the stories nowadays, right? Like a lot of artists blow up and, you know, you don't hear about them for a while, but they have very core committed fan bases even after they've blown up and maybe disappeared. And that's because like these fans will resonate with any piece of information you give them, whether it's like, you know, I'm an artist. I like to, I like to play guitar and play, you know, play drums or I like to cook. I'd be playing basketball in the gym, whatever it is, like, you know, just trying to like give them a piece of that piece of you that they can latch on to. Cause that's what people are all about nowadays is like relating to you beyond just the music, but you as a person. Drop an underrated tool artists and their team should be using with Symphony. Okay, I got one that I use all the time. It's called SnapTik. And so what SnapTik does, it lets you download your, your TikTok videos without the watermark. Mm. And so we actually like, we only make content one time for Symphony. We have a very active TikTok. But what we do is we make that content on TikTok. We upload it. We go to SnapTik and we download it. Then we repost on Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts. So now instead of having to do the work three times and like having to finesse, because all these algorithm, algorithms will put you down the algorithm if you have another company's watermark on it. And so like we just remove the watermark and repost it and it does really well. So I definitely recommend every artist, like if you're already making TikToks, there's no reason you shouldn't just remove the watermark and repost on YouTube shorts and Instagram reels. Got another one. I'm trying to remember. I had another one on the top of my head. Oh, <laughs> Disco. There's a lot of tools out there like Notes app using Dropbox and Notes app does a job. Dropbox has a job, but like when you're actually making a body of work, like it's a little bit easier when you have a tool that's actually easier, more meant for file sharing, but also lets you like listen to the music. So we've, we've used Disco a lot for some of the artists we work with where like 
it's almost like Dropbox made for musicians where you can upload all your tracks, your artwork, sequence it, and you can share it out with passwords or protected links or whatever, but you can like, just play it from your, from your phone and Dropbox is not really built for this. So I really like Disco as a complimentary tool. Disco is really the tool that's, that's being used. And a lot of indies don't realize that's the, the go-to tool that you really should be using in this yeah. space. Do you see Symphony anywhere down the future building out tools where I'm able to post my video and repurpose it and run ads? That definitely is almost like a content scheduler that automatically does it for you and even like optimizes like the content as needed per platform. I don't know. I feel like, and I'm sure you dealt with this too. There's just so many parts of work that need to get done. Uploading lyrics to Genius, you know, like that's a check mark thing that people don't always do, but like things like that, like little things even, like I want to build that technology that can help with that workflow because it's just little things that people don't do or like don't have time to do sometimes. And I feel like if we can centralize it, make it easy, it'll just make the artist's career a little bit more stronger when they're coming out. So we definitely see that at some point, like something, something like that. Sometime next year, you know, we'll probably be okay. in there. Is there one question you wish I would have asked you? And if so, how would you have answered it? Oh, man. What was your favorite album of 2023? I'll let you answer that one first and I'll answer it. Oh, what was your favorite album of 2022? Sorry, I said oh 22. It was a wild year. Man, there's so much music out. Okay, I can't give a favorite album. I'm not even going to hold you. I actually don't have a favorite album of 2022 yet. <laughs> I do have a lot of favorite songs that I'm consistently listening to. I definitely like that new NLE Chavo that came out. I'm waiting for SZA. Oh my gosh. There's an artist, I think his name is Peasy. If we locked in, ain't no switching up. Brody came home with the pick em up. That record, I love that record because of the sample in it. It was a good year for music. I feel like all the legends dropped. I think for me, I don't know, I'm an R&B kid. A little bit, like, I came into music working with R&B artists to an extent. The Brent Fires album, okay. like, he came independent, one, which I love, but two, it was a vibe. It was a vibe. Yeah, Wasteland. Like, Wasteland. Wasteland. Yeah. That song, Addicted, top five on Spotify. Yo. I went crazy. Oh, You know who else, too? Jasmine. I don't know if her album came out this year. It may have came out last year, but that Jasmine Sullivan album, man, replay. Yeah, I think we're back in this era of like like summer summer drops, you know, like obviously scissors dropping. Like I love Giveon dropped, you know, like I love that there's like all these voices in R and B nowadays, mm -hmm. um, different parts. Are there any R and B artists that you have your eye on right now that the world should know? Damn, looking through my Spotify right now. <laughs> um, okay, I got one. I got one. He's a homie, but yo, like obviously the the scene out of Nigeria and Ghana and South Africa is going crazy and. There's all these like, you know, different kind of offshoots of Afrobeats that are coming out, like Afro mm. R&B, kind of like the, the Alte scene, all of that. My homie Wani, all caps, W-A-N-I, he's like Nigeria's party next to Afro R&B vibes. I really have been vibing with it because it's like R&B, traditional R&B, quote unquote, but like, it's like more of the Afrobeat oriented production. That's like some unique stuff I've been listening to lately. I'm gonna have to check him out. What artists have you guys used Symphony for? Yeah, I mean, we we built Symphony. We started building at least down like I want to say 2018. So like, we really put it through its first kind of testing phase with actually 21 Savage. So he had the album "I Am Greater Than I Was" that dropped, I believe, in 2018 or early 2019. Not to like talk too much about it necessarily, but you know, the labels are always like, "Yo, like 
they always call you mad late to get work done. So they called us like a few days before the album drop. Like, yo, we need someone to run ads for his first week sales. And we're like, all right, cool. Like we just built this thing. Let's test it out. So they gave us a budget and, you know, we, we basically like set up the symphony campaign specifically for mer merchandise sales, took their budget, just ran the ads, did its thing. And like, obviously went number one, but that was like one of the larger major label case studies. Other artists that I actually managed as of like 2020, we basically spent $10 a day on symphony for like two years straight. Mm -hmm. And we marketed a song from 2018, starting in 2020, spent $10 a day on it. We got from 70K to 800K monthly listeners in two years. And then TikTok found the song earlier this year. And that song went crazy, really just because we were marketing it every single day. And now he's at like 3 million monthly listeners, fully independent, owns his masters, everything. But it was just because we found the one song that like, you know, maybe people hadn't heard that we thought was a golden goose for him and just kept on marketing consistently. And, you know, it kind of took over and took off. The music is just as important as marketing what's a solid budget for an independent artist to start off with yeah, i look at it from like daily budgets right it's like all right like you're gonna spend like four to five bucks on coffee a day or like eating eating meals outside or kind of 10 bucks a day whatever it's like all right put that instead towards like running instagram ads or like running youtube ads right and spend that every single day they'd be doing that so i look at it from long term perspective like 200 to 300 bucks a month starts compounding over time right because like no matter what, one new fan could come in every single day and one new fan every single day of the year. But then those fans tell their friends and those friends tell their friends, like things like that start happening. And so I look at it from like, you know, five or 10 bucks a day, you know, as it makes sense, just putting in a little bit to like get things amplified and send fans to Spotify. And it starts compounding over time and it starts to make sense from a, from a growth perspective. Compound growth. $5 a day, bro, to invest in your business if you're really, really serious about being a, a successful artist. Uh, that's that's very feasible. Thank you so much for your time. Likewise. I had a great time. I appreciate you diving in with everything. Absolutely. I appreciate the time and all the artists listening. Like, we're here. Like, anything we can do to make your lives easier, like, you guys are the reason we exist. So let us know and we're here to help. Yes, sir. My Sagittarius brother. <laughs> <laughs> you too.